means of escape, and this new freedom was like heady and delicious wine to the young man. He met Maureen at a dance on the RAF station, and basked in her uncritical adulation, finding it easy to believe that he was in love with her. Everything was so new and exciting. Life was there to be seized with both hands. Liv's mother was a rising young actress, killed in a direct hit on a London hospital whilst she was entertaining the wounded. She had been self-assertive, devastatingly honest, and liked a good time. Her mother and younger sister were living in the south of France when war was declared, but she refused to go with them to the safety of America. Fresh from Rada, full of ideals, she intended to use her talents to help the war effort. Edwin's chivalrous and reliable adoration was flattering, and something to be relied upon. Both she and the fighter pilot were determined young people, intent on having their own way, amusing, charming, and tremendous fun. Attracted at first by these characteristics, their two gentle, sweet-natured partners soon realised their mistake in believing that what they felt for these two larger-than-life people was love. Soon, but not soon enough. War fever consumed their common sense, and within weeks of meeting, both couples were married. In July 1940, Olivia was born in Yorkshire, and Emily was born in Kent. Three years later, the war had deprived each of these children of a parent. The widow and widower meet at a New Year's party in 1947. They are drawn to each other by the physical resemblance to the other's late partner. Edwin is stocky and fair, just like the dead fighter pilot. Maureen is slender and dark, very like the dead actress. Here the resemblance ceases, but it is enough to bring them together in the noisy, happy crowd to start them talking to each other. As the party wears on, Edwin and Maureen begin tentatively to exchange histories. After her husband's death, Maureen, with the small Emily, returned to her parents' home. Edwin was lucky enough to resume his career in the bank and has recently been promoted to the dizzy heights of assistant manager. My wife would have been so proud, he tells Maureen mendaciously, knowing full well that the actress considered his career in the bank to be pedestrian and boring and had been mortified whenever he referred publicly to his desk job at Catterick during those early years of the war. She'd discovered that sensitive adoration soon palled into tiresome possessiveness, and as soon as she could, she left Livy with Edwin and his mother, and hurried back to London and the stage. So proud, he repeats now, shaking his head a little and smiling bravely, but with a touch of pathos. I'm sure she would, murmurs Maureen sympathetically. Never mind, you must think of your little girl, Olivia. Such a pretty name. So is Emily, a favourite name of mine, says Edwin at once, not to be outdone in such courtesies, and remembering that the actress had rejected the name as old-fashioned. She's a baby, not an old aunt, she'd scoffed. We'll call her Olivia, Livy for short. He'd given in at once. Emily is my aunt's name, muses Maureen reverently, as if this confers some special magic upon it. And for a fleeting second, Edwin is certain that he hears the actress's husky, jeering laugh behind him in the smoky, crowded room. Emily May. We call her M sometimes. You know, E for Emily, M for May. She laughs lightly at such wantonness, but quickly raises her eyebrows, worried at his serious expression, 
Not my aunt, she hastens to assure him, shocked that he might think she should take such liberties with an elderly lady. No, no, my little girl, but we usually call her Emily. I don't really approve of shortening names, she adds untruthfully, anxious to set his mind quite at rest. Edwin's expression, however, has nothing to do with Maureen's revelations. He is wondering how he might bind this sensitive, sweet woman to him forever. He sees, with a sudden clarity of vision that just the right amount of alcohol bestows, that this gentle soul is exactly the person he needs to help him deal with Olivia, now that his mother has gone to her great reward. "'I was just thinking,' he says impulsively, "'that it might be fun for the four of us to get together, you and me and the girls, tea at Della's, perhaps. What do you say?' Repressing the truthful answer, which is, I thought you'd never ask, Maureen gives a little cry of delighted surprise. What a lovely idea! Perhaps the zoo first? Outside the monkey house, Olivia and Emily stare at each other. Since they each resemble their respective mothers, they look rather alike. Dark hair, brown eyes. Emily has long plaits and wears a kilt and a fair isle jersey. Olivia's hair is cut in a pudding basin bob, and she wears shorts. The shorts, actually a divided floppy skirt, have been her condition for agreeing to grace this outing with her presence. She hates anything sissy and girlish, and seeing that her father is set on this meeting, she is quick to press her advantage. You look so pretty in your Sunday dress, Edwin pleads. And it's January, you'll freeze. Olivia watches him with the actress's eyes. I never feel cold, she says. You can't wear your shorts in January, says Edwin crossly. Then I shan't go, says Olivia implacably. Edwin looks approvingly at Emily's delightful kilt and cosy jersey, hoping that Olivia's shorts might be mistaken for a skirt. He has refused to scour the shops for boys' shorts, telling her that she must wait until the summer, and Olivia, who is a skilled bargainer, has settled for this lesser victory. She assesses the anxiously friendly smile on Maureen's face, stares for a moment at Emily's stony expression, and turns her back on the whole party. Maureen and Edwin exchange a rueful glance. So it begins. When the girls realise that Edwin and Maureen intend to marry, despite their individual determination to wreck the relationship, they resign themselves to a sullen, obdurate non-cooperation which reduces Maureen to tears and Edwin to frustrated fury. Edwin longs for the conventionality of family life. He sees himself arriving home from a day at the bank to find a sympathetic wife waiting, dinner simmering, and his daughter and his stepdaughter bathed and ready for the bedtime story. Maureen, tired of living with her parents, yearns for Edwin's comfortable townhouse, not to mention his comfortable salary, and for his gentle, caring protection. Her father revels in the inexorable tyranny of the semi-invalid, and her mother's waspish tongue grows more acid as the years pass. Maureen longs to be mistress in her own establishment, and for the first time in seven years seriously loses her temper with her daughter. Emily sits on her bed and watches and listens unmoved, as her mother tells her what a selfish child she is. Presently, Maureen changes tack and begins to dwell on the joys of living in a market town. Maureen's parents live on a hill in a large Victorian house with a village at its gates. 
Emily has her own room, plenty of space to ride her bicycle, and is adept at wheedling things out of her grandmother. Nevertheless, the future which Maureen is now recklessly painting in vivid colours has certain advantages. Life in the country can be dull, and the cinema on Saturday mornings, not to mention dancing lessons and regular teas at Della's, hold a certain charm. As Maureen pauses to draw breath, Emily slowly nods her head. It might be nice, she says thoughtfully. Maureen falls on her knees beside her and promises her the dolly she has coveted since their last shopping spree, if only she will be reasonable. Emily purses her lips, extends one leg and studies her sandal. Maureen adds the pram and a whole set of clothes for the dolly. And Emily smiles, a tiny, sad little smile. I'll try, she says bravely. Maureen embraces her, weak with relief. Darling Emmy, she says, I promise you'll never regret it. Olivia holds out longer. She is defending her territory. I don't want a sister, she tells Edwin, when he begs her to be generous, to welcome Maureen and Emily into her home. And I don't want a mummy. Mummies are boring. If we had a mummy, says Edwin, driven to a low, desperate cunning, I would buy a car. And we could have outings to the seaside and holidays in the country. Olivia eats her Marmite soldiers thoughtfully. She longs to do the adventurous, exciting things that can only be achieved in the countryside and on the beach. Very few of her friends can boast a motor car. And living in the town, only a few minutes' walk from school and the bank, Edwin has so far rejected the idea of a car as an unnecessary expense. She licks her fingers and looks at him across the table. What car? she asks casually.